brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. It is definitely time for more suds. And thank you very much for joining us for this suds episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. This is good old boy Mike joining me here at the table, our Reverend Mark. Good afternoon. And the incomparable good old boy Dave. Hey, kids. Did I, did I say incompetent or co- incomparable? I don't know. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Just as long as you don't say incontinent. More beer. Oh. <laughs> you see that puddle under my chair? Oh. That doesn't work. <laughs> All right. We are the best thing on at 2 a.m., and we thank you for choosing us over Polka Classics with Paul, the blending of hip-hop and polka in the modern era. Our sud segments are all about beer, beer, and definitely more beer. We're going to be talking about lots of great things today, but first off, Dave is going to get the honor of going over our suds ratings for today. We'll be tasting and discussing these beers and rating them using our Suds ratings plus our signature belching sounds. Here are those ratings now. Number one, that sucks. Give me anything but a bud. Number two, was that a belch? Number three, ah, what a relief. Number four, a body should really not make that sound. Add a hip-hop song to that. And number five, Mm. using my best Reverend Mark impersonation, listen to that hang time. Give me another. (laughs) Thanks, Dave, for uh, reading those. And your best Reverend Mark interpretation. Actually, he's here in person. To date. Yes. (laughs) We won't have to do that. So, uh, first off... uh, our show today is definitely about our GABF wrap-up for 2014, so I want to definitely start off our GABF session just like every other GABF session, which is welcoming me in the bagpipes, most definitely. So we are back from GABF, the great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado, and we are have had time to recoup, recover, recharge from this event, and the one emotion that none of us thought that we would be experiencing would actually be mourning the death of a dear friend, Reverend Mark. Yeah, and so before we get into our topic today, we want to pause, we want to dedicate our show to a dear friend that recently passed away. We're thinking of Michael Simmage. He was a great husband, brother, son, one heck of a brewer. His passion for beer was unparalleled. I can tell you, knowing, knowing him and talking with him over these years, it was part of his DNA. He served as president of the Mid-State Brew Crew, and uh, we have on this show hosted several people from that club. We spent quite a bit of time with Michael and Danielle, his wife at the GBF. As a matter of fact, Danielle was competing in the Pro-Am with a beer that they had worked so long and hard on called Jaxie Brown and it was brewed at the Cool Springs Brewery. We have certainly, over the years, relished our time with Michael, and he will be so terribly missed by many. Our continuing thoughts go out to Danielle and Michael's family. To Michael, Prost. Prost. 
truly, uh, I never really thought that uh, this was an emotion that I would come back from such a great event to uh, be experiencing the um, the death of a friend. Uh, I know you spent some time with Michael uh, very recently for his onesie day, didn't you? Yeah, we spent uh, time in Louisville, Kentucky um, at the Holy Grail with uh, Michael and Danielle, talked to them, got to know them. One cool thing, though, um, the the last really cool memory I have of Michael is actually from GABF, and it was the early Saturday members-only session. And so we got we all got in really early before the crowds really started coming in. And I had sort of uh, gotten separated from Juliana and Reverend Mark, which, I, let's just face it, I wandered away. Um, the, my leash fell off. And I, yeah, I we, had, we had one of those mall leashes that you yeah. put on children, you know? Yeah. And yeah, he got away from Dave Meir. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, I was trying to find Juliana in the midst of actually sampling some beers. And um, I see Michael haul and tail towards the back of the of the event and uh, I, I started I, I got in step with him he's got longer legs than me so I had to walk pretty fast <laughs> true and um, I was like dude where are you going he goes man I'm getting in line for this cheese and I was like <laughs> what are you talking about he goes no it's the American Cheese Association yeah, or something right. in and, the back um, of the hall yeah and I was I, I was like who but Simich <laughs> would be Bar- barely past just to get cheese every brewery in America you know their tent or whatever their table to get to taste some cheese and I just thought man this dude is he, he is out there but <laughs> committed um, I really uh, committed I, to the cause I really like Michael and I'm very uh, very sad that uh, I won't get to go and taste some more of his beers and talk about beer and cheese with him anymore Absolutely. I, I tell you, I, um, over the years, uh, I've especially appreciated the fact that he and Danielle, I mean, they were they were obviously just so made for each other on, yeah. on so many levels. And, uh, you know, I just really appreciate the fact, and you know, in, in beer circles that oftentimes it's, many times it's just the guys. And I'm glad to see that there's more diversification. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, of gender gender diversity within brewing. Uh, great, some of the greatest brewers I know, uh, you know, in this city, are women brewers I've learned from. Um, mm-hmm. But how that they work together, just so, uh, you know, in such amazing ways, in such collaboration, as, yeah. as fellow brewers, and I just so really respect <clears throat> that. Uh, a bit more of the uh, backstory um, was that uh, Reverend Mark and Danielle actually were competing in the same pro-am at uh, Cool Me Springs too. as well, and Dave. And it really came down to three beers and all of that competition. And Reverend Mark's was right there in the in the short list uh, towards the end. And uh, I know you've competed before, you know, in the pro-am, but in hindsight, looking back at actually what's transpired here, um, I'm really glad that Danielle won. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and more importantly, I'm really glad that Michael actually got to come with us to Denver um, for winning that competition because uh, it really en- enriched our experience in Denver. But more importantly, he actually enriched our lives by you know everything that he can contributed both to life as well as the, the brewing community uh, in general. So uh, truly, uh, uh, we wanted to dedicate this show to uh, Michael and uh, celebrate his life. So, so definitely uh, take a moment, raise a glass, and celebrate. Prost. 
Today is our GABF uh, wrap-up show for 2014, and I can't think of any more fitting sound than hearing the sound that you hear on the GABF floor. We have actually tasted thousands of beers, and we're going to cover some highlights on today's show. We're going to talk about some general comments. We're going to cover our top three. Uh, we're going to talk about the GABF medalists, and then we have some topics to kind of cover that were kind of present through the uh, show as well. This is part two of our two-part series on our GABF wrap-up. We'll now be picking up our topics for part two, talking about the GABF winners. Hey, welcome back to Polka with Dave, the untold story of the South and Polka. Opa! <laughs> uh, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. We're here talking about uh, GABF for 2014. It's our wrap-up show. And we're going to be talking about some of the GABF medalists uh, here coming up. So there is a huge competition that is part of the Great American Beer Festival. We've enjoyed talking about some of the beers that we got to taste. Mm -hmm. But there is actually a very serious part of the GABF itself where there are tons of beers that are actually submitted for competition i don't have the exact numbers but i want to say it's somewhere around ten thousand beers actually yeah. submitted for competition across uh, a lot of categories that are part of the uh certified beer judging uh categories as well overseeing all of this by uh the uh, brewers association itself there are uh, many medals that are uh, passed out and uh so um, I thought we'd just kind of talk about any of the medalist winners that really kind of captured our attention. I guess one of the things that I found myself doing, and maybe it's just out of habit, is um, right after the winners are announced on Saturday morning is actually go medal hunting. Yeah. And uh, I guess the thing that um, to know is that they actually have uh, signs up behind, you know, behind each brewery and with the name of the beers as well as the name of the brewery and they tend to put up the stickers you know if they've meddled as well as down on the table to let you know that that's a medal winner as well as they actually publish a full list of all the medal winners itself and so as soon as i hit the uh, floor on saturday it was medal hunting time so uh We'll pick it up with uh, the question you floated to me, Dave. Were, were there any new breweries? And yeah. absolutely, the uh, the two that uh, I ran across in uh, in both the IPA categories um, actually were brand new to me, and it was really cool to taste them. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, Breakside Brewing out of Milwaukee, and it's no, it's not the one you think. It's actually in Oregon, mm. uh, Milwaukee. Uh, Breakside IPA. It's actually the gold winner in one of the most crowded categories. Uh, in all the competition, which is um, IPA, yeah, yeah. India Pale L. Um, you know, while Breakside is actually uh, mostly regional in the Portland, Oregon area, you can actually find this on the shelf in many places. And, uh, you know, it was really great. I actually got to meet the brewer again. You know, he's standing there, you know, tall and proud, you know, having his medal, you know, around and, you know, all the stickers all over the place and just riding high and the whole thing. You know, my first impression of Breakside IPA was it was just um, these big grapefruit bitter notes. And, um, yeah, I think the first thing I had was I really thought that this was a clone of grape, grapefruit sculpin. Um, and but this was actually on a kind of a new level it had some of the same taste profile yeah. as grapefruit sculpin does but uh actually this was like a whole new level and it was really that very tropical citra hop in this beer that just 
it really just started to sing unlike any other you know beer that i've had with you know citra hop it was just something very unique it just def- definitely had the x factor mm-hmm. um and i walked away thinking look you know this is a really great ipa is a good reason why it won and i don't really think about that all the time you know with yeah. the metal winners actually when i went back and looked through my notes i have to tell you that you know i didn't particularly always agree with the judges i mean there were several medal winners that i walked away going eh, you know maybe a three at best um but you know doesn't really stand out this beer uh from breakside definitely did and i thought it was you know more than worthy of a a such rating of five you know for sure listen at hang time give me another so i walked down the rest of the aisle and uh, the other beer that kind of caught my attention in that same category was from another brewery that I'd never heard of before, and um, which was kind of odd because it's in Columbus, Ohio, and I've spent a lot of time in Columbus, and you know have a lot of a lot of family in the area, and have enjoyed a lot of great beer uh, from there. In fact, we have a a show coming up uh, that will actually cover a lot of the beers in the Columbus area, including the beers from uh, Columbus Brewing. So. I actually got to uh, try the the Bodai, which is the bronze winner in the IPA category, and the Creeper uh, it, uh, is their double IPA. So actually, this one brewery walked away with two medals in in, in an IPA category. They took home the bronze and the gold in uh, different categories. So whatever that hot profile was that they had, apparently was very appealing to the judges. I uh, I really love the Creeper. Uh, it was a it was a great beer. We'll talk about it extensively on our uh, Columbus show. I don't, don't want to spend a whole lot of time with it today. Another uh, medal winner that uh, caught my attention was actually in the uh, uh, the Scotch Ale category, which is actually Wee Heavy. It's the imperial version of uh, Scotch Ale itself. This beer was from Brew Handbill Ales. It's called Lock, L-O-C-H. It's a wee heavy Scotch Ale. There was the Silver GABF winner. And there's, you know, I think the thing that every time I walk up to a Scotch Ale, there's like a line in in my palate, you know, profile of going, you know, it's too sweet. Um, And it seems like so many Scotch Ales that I have cross over and they present themselves that are just way too sweet and it just gets lost on my palate there's you know or the burnt the burnt sugar just kind of overwhelms everything and just there's nothing left there um but this was actually a really great uh example of what i think of with when everything is in check and that line is not crossed it was not too sweet for me and it would just have really had great balance um it was very roasty in fact that was the one word that i wrote down on my tasting notes was roasty it was just this wonderful roller coaster of mm-hmm. caramel goodness on a joy ride to happy town scotland um mm-hmm. it was just a really great beer and uh my sedge rating for uh brew handbill ales lock we heavy is actually going to be a four so uh, you know this is a prime example where um they won a medal but i mean i thought it was a really good beer um but i mean i've i've had some other you know scotch ales that probably enjoyed over time so you know i guess part of it is i don't have the same mentality that they do during the competition i'm thinking about over you know a broad range over time yeah you know of things you know that are in this category as opposed to just those things that were submitted for competition at GABF, which that could be just a subset or a superset of the things that, you know, I've experienced as well. So 
um that's just you know something to think about as we're kind of talking about some of the middle winters here the last one i wanted to talk about uh for me anyway in, in terms of the middle winters is uh actually of all things it's a hefeweizen <laughs> i never Ooh. thought that i would actually be uh talking about a uh, a hefeweizen um you know that really captured my attention at gabf but this uh, beer is from Black Market Brewing in Temecula, California. It is their Hefeweizen. You know, Saison is actually the bell of the ball, kind of right now. And, you know, it's, this is wheat-style Belgian beer. It's just incredibly uh, popular. And we always forget about our cousin of the north. <laughs> Yeah, um, which is the German Hefeweizen, Her boring German cousin. I know. Herr um, Gunther puts the saison down and gives me the Hefeweizen. Okay, um, you know this is the thing that I wrote down around this was it was just this wonderfully complex lemon. It was like this lemon with twenty layers of flavor. Yeah, and you know usually citrus flavors are very polarized. They're very they're very tart. They're very acidic, and they're on and off the palate. This was like a lemon layer cake that was taking place in this Hefeweizen. And it was just that complex lemon with just these soft citrus notes that were just kind of running all over your tongue. And it was just this really great experience. Um, the other thing that I like about this beer is they actually distribute in a can. Um, and you can actually find this beer pretty easily. So this is a really great beer if you actually you know are out and you want something that's you know going to be light and pleasing to a broad range of people definitely go for this hefeweizen in the can from uh, black market out of temecula my sudge rating for that is a four as well a body should really not make that sound reverend mark i know you walked around in any uh, metal winners that uh, caught your attention well um <laughs> He's thinking about it. And no, not really. Some of the some of the ones I've already lifted up really uh, had had meddled, um of my top three. Um, hmm. We'll pass the ball to Dave <laughs> and let you think about it a little bit more. Dave, any medal winners that really caught your attention? Yeah, um, let well, me, I know you brought back the the Raspberry Provincial. Well, of course. Yeah, that's but that that transcends medal winning. You know, <laughs> that's just love. Let me <laughs> let me just say that uh, you know, as someone who has entered a lot of brew competitions, you know, not to this level, but you know, still, I don't always go by what wins a medal. Um, I tried one of the uh, and I'm not and I'm not going to speak positively about a lot, of, a lot of these so I may not always name the name of the brewery but I tried uh, one of the winners of the Scottish Ale mm. category from uh, Chattanooga yeah yep. um, it was good it was it was good beer I, you know I didn't taste every Scottish Ale that was entered into the GABF but if that was, you know, one of the best three, man, I mean, people need to step it up a little bit. You know? So, uh, I think you're talking about uh, the beer called Scottish Pride from McHale's Brewhouse in yeah. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Very, you know, very, you know, good beer. Good, being the word. Um, malty, sweet, you know, whatever. But there's a lot that goes into doing a great Scottish ale. 
you know there's there's a great deal of balance and this one was a little too sweet for me you know and it was just not now this could be that you know the it'd been sitting in the pitcher for a long time or something but it just did not have metal winner written across it for me huh you know now there was another one from devil's backbone um let me let me just say guys saturday early session i was running around trying to find people and trying to drink beer at the same time i don't always track metal winners but devil's <laughs> backbone um i do know one of their beers won gold um and I'm trying to find it for yeah. uh, Davis. We're uh, speaking here, so can't seem to. Uh, yes, there it is, is right here. Professional old, radio old Vir- show. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> old Virginia Dark is the name of this beer from Devil's Backbone Brewing Outpost out of Lexington, Virginia. Yep. They actually won the silver in the American Dark Ale Lager. Okay, or, I'm sorry, s- not that's an oxymoron. The American dark style lager. dark lager. Yeah, this was actually really good. Now this is one where I would say I, I could kind of see that they won the medal. Um, it was very clean, uh, very malty, and very well done. Nice color, nice aroma to it. Yeah, and and actually, the coolest part about that was, I got there right as the brewer found out that they had won the medal. Yeah, it was and, a lot of that going on on Saturday. Yeah, and very they cool. were so stoked, excited, yeah. man. Yep. I mean, because. Unless you're from Lexington, Virginia, you probably have not heard of Devil's Backbone. Definitely not. But they loved it, man. And it w- they were so proud and they were so happy. And, and I think maybe that made the beer taste a little better. Hmm. I, uh, I did think of a, a perennial winner, and it wasn't uh, one that really I was seeking out on a metal hunt Saturday morning. Uh, but that it really is sort of the quintessential special... Um, sort of example of a, of a sub-style called Smoke Porter. And it was the Ala- Alaskan Smoke Porter. And they, they continue to win with that style. And, you know, we talked just a second ago about how that, you know, smoke uh, just a little too much is way too much. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. a very delicate balance that you have to have with smoked beer. And so I think that, you know, your your perennial classics still have a place at the GABF you know I mean um, you're not always seeing everybody lining up to get every single beer that uh, uh, that like uh, uh, Sierra Nevada is known for for 30 years now yeah but it's still really basically good uh, just but isn't that one of the hallmarks of being a great brewery and a great brewer that you make a great beer? All I mean, the time. everybody can make a great beer once. Yep. But to be able to do it again and again and keep that continuity, I mean, you as a you know an experienced home brewer, you know that once you find a great recipe and you brew a great beer, the challenge then is to make it year after year or batch after batch and that's the challenge even with a professional brewing setup is the continuity and the quality control and being able to repeat those results Hmm. that's the hallmark of a great brewery i would say right and and to know that uh you know i think i think that sometimes that there is just a whole lot of overemphasis put on complexity i'm sorry i mean yeah. I, and i like co- complex beers but not every single day 
And yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that sometimes, you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, what is it that uh, that makes us think that sort of simplicity and clarity uh, of flavor is boring? I mean, some days I come home and my tired palate wants nothing more than, you know, uh, a, a stunningly scrumptious pill, Bohemian Pilsner, yeah, exactly. you know, that's, that's made with 100% exactly. Bohemian Pilsner. I mean, yep. with with little saws in there or something, or a, a malty but yet semi-dry uh, Belgian blonde. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, sometimes I'm just I'm, I, I, so so. I think your perennials they do that. They've already dialed it in. If you if you look at the the clone recipes or just it, being an experienced brewer, you know that there are only so many ingredients that are going into this beer. Yeah. But it's it's still selling. 35 years later. Well, and it doesn't mean that they're easy to brew. No. Like, think about an English mild. It's one of the smoothest, easiest drinking beer styles there is. It's really hard to make a great mild or a great pilsner because that simplicity hides no defects. So if you screw something up, it comes out. Whereas if you have a big sour or a big barrel aged, you know, um, stout or something, there's a lot going on there. That complexity hides defects yep. a little bit, you know, or masks or smoke or barrel aging yeah. can can do the same thing. Yeah. But a clean flavor is a clean <clears throat> flavor, or it's not. Yeah. Yep. So I had a, a couple of uh, metal winners to. Uh, throughout to see if you guys had a chance um and i think you guys uh had the key lime pie shorts brewing company yes (laughs) so what do you think about this uh this was the gold medal winner in the experimental beer category well i'd almost forgotten about that one but uh but yeah i think it was a great experimental beer i don't know that i'm going to go out and look for it but uh but actually you know congratulations on that Uh, yeah um did you get to have that one dave no, yeah. um, and neither I, did I. I heard enough. It was gone by the time I, I yeah. got there. So that was that was maybe one thing that I really noticed um, that was really going on with, uh, and you know, I was hoping to get to a couple of topics um, to to chat about kind of freely. And I guess this is the one that uh, might be a good transition in that conversation. Is um, I noticed. Uh, I was watching consumer behavior, you know, yeah. uh, at, on the floor itself, and um, I certainly noticed that one thing that seemed to be fairly consistent. And I'm just telling you, I was observing this. I'm not like you know bashing an entire gender just because I watched a few women, but flavor was in, yeah. you know, for uh, a lot of women, and um, it seemed like I noticed time after time that. You would walk up, and there would be this just really great brown ale. I mean, this this you know, twenty year you know award winning brown that would be standing there, and right next to it would be a you know a, a cherry hefeweizen, yeah. and they would pick that you know over sure. over sure. the brown sure. all day sure. long. Um, that you know, it just flavor was was. Is, tend to get a lot of attention you know on the yeah. floor i don't know if that translates into actual you know consumer behavior but well, i think it does because traditionally who are the, the majority of beer drinkers it's men you know 
and you but can, who makes the decision on what the men drink right well that, <laughs> and that's the thing is or, or, or brings the, beer home yeah or where the men go to drink you know like that's why they have ladies night they don't have a lot of men's nights out at bars and stuff you know because craft beer men's night i like that know, idea um so what what I've noticed is that you know like we were talking about the uh, prickly pear Berliner Weiss it was a nice pretty pink now part of that is just out of function because you know the That's that fruit Berliner is yeah. gives that light beer that hue you know there was also a great uh, raspberry Berliner Weiss that I had I also had a uh, a gozea with uh, pink peppercorns you know. Women drive the world. Okay, let's just go ahead and say it. Because um, men will go anywhere. We'll drink anything. We really don't care as long as I'm it, the old you know. married man here at the table, yeah. so I get to say yes emphatically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think part of it, too, I don't think it's just around women. Um, you know, millennials, the, the new kids coming in, they don't drink as much beer. They don't drink as much wine. They like cocktails. And a lot of these beers that are, you know, fruitier or or a little more complex, they have that cocktail feel to them. You know, um, key lime pie is almost, it could be a shooter, you know, or something. So these, you know, I think this kind of thing is what you have to do to stand out because, yes, you may have an award-winning brown ale. But there are probably 14 breweries in your region or city, even depending on where you are, that have a very good brown ale. And unless you enjoy brown ale, it doesn't matter how good it is. But if you've got a, you know, a cherry, sparkly lemon, um, fruity wheat, whatever beer that uh, makes your nose tickle a little bit when you uh, when you drink it nobody's going to come you know none of these young kids and especially the young women are going to go try it out mm. you know they want that kind of fun experience that's why they drink red bull and vodka and you know <laughs> jaeger bombs and stuff i will right, say Dave. this though oh i have one more thing to say though and this is to the to the young single guys who are listening you go to gabf Go to the Friday night session. Oh, totally. 20-something-year-old single women in flocks. Might as well de- <laughs> declare it college <laughs> night. Are all over the place. If you can't if you can't make your weekly hookup there, you're not trying, man. <laughs> all right, Dave. I'm going to okay, rescue you. Cut me off. Cut me out off. of this hole here. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, before he gets down there too too far. <laughs> so, listen, we wanted to uh, definitely, as we're talking about medal winners, uh, congrats to a good friend of the show, Brandon Jones and Lawrence yeah. Hall at Yazoo Brewing for taking home the bronze for the Cherry Durow in the It's a Flemish Sour. And uh, it's just a really great win for a really great brewery. First of many. And uh, many. we are looking forward to many new great beers. And we didn't get any, the, by uh, the way, when we got to yeah, no what doubt. the fight was already out. So, I know, yeah. uh, hmm, we'd like so, yeah. <laughs> well, the Embrace the Funk series at Yazoo Brewing out of Nashville, Tennessee is definitely going to be expanding quite exponentially. And I expect them to be uh, the Sour of the South. Yeah. I, you heard no, it here they're first. They're going to put Nashville on the Sour And uh, I, I really think that uh, with 
both the style of beers they're making as well as the quality of the beer they're making uh i really think it's going to go a long way um i really enjoyed a lot of great beer from brandon and this is just one of many i'm looking forward to in the future so we have a couple of medal winners here that we've been enjoying as we've been uh, kind of chatting here today and i thought we'd kind of do a, a quickie uh, review of uh, each of these um, the first one uh, I thought I'd talk about was the Belgian style Abiel, the gold medal winner from Sam Adams. It is called, uh, I can't quite read this, Tetravis is the name of it. Um, so uh, this has uh, been out for a while. Uh, this is not the first year I think they've, uh, they've released this beer. What do you guys think of this Belgian quad? It definitely it has a, um, a dried dark fruit quality to it. Mm -hmm. that I that I like um, in small quantities. Bit Doesn't mean sweet it's plump though. Yeah, it's to me this is a small snifter kind of beer, mm -hmm. uh, which means it's just it's it's a lot to be dealing with. But yeah. uh, but I think it's it's really pretty good. Got better as it warmed up, didn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, a yeah, typical quad though. So what's your uh, sedge rating on this one? Uh, I give it a three. Three. How about you, Dave? It's it's big and it it fills your mouth and it fills your senses as you drink it. Um, and it does get a lot better as it warms up. It's very caramelly and um, that dried fruit comes out really well. I would give it a three as well. How about that? <clears throat> Sorry, I swung around to being able to hit the right button there. And, um, yeah, you know, um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, I would say it's a three for me as well. I've had better quads um, than this. Um, but uh, I think for definitely a... Uh, uh, a domestic quad that's available and maybe the price point is at you know yeah a good solid three uh, for this for me as well another beer we've had is the barley wine style ale the gold medal winner for this from alesmith called old numbskull now this bottle is actually something that uh, had been cellared for quite a while and uh, I actually uh, cracked it open for us today um, so what do you guys think about the uh, old numbskull uh, barley wine I like it. I think it's um, good color, good uh, good mouthfeel. There's not a lot of alcohol warmth to me. Um, it's very smooth. Um, I wish they wouldn't put it in a green bottle, mm. um, you know. But uh, other than that, I, I think as far as the style goes, I would give it a four. Huh. Well, how about that? Well, you know, I've had a lot of barley wine, and definitely uh, this was actually uh, one of the bottles that we kicked out of the barley wine show, uh, blind tasting. Yeah. Uh, we just had so much, you know, so much Oof. beer that we had to actually cull it down, and this was one of the beers that actually we got kind of kicked out, and, uh, you know, I'm glad we actually got to come around and enjoy it today, and... Um, so the one thing that uh, Reverend Mark and I actually noticed, this was slightly oxidized a little bit, and you know Mark's comment was it actually did did it a little bit better, didn't it? Yeah, I mean uh, because this is a, a sh almost a sherry quality barley yeah. wine. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you know, not unlike the Sam Adams that we were just talking about, that this is one of those that to me is a small snifter, uh, savoring, uh, really, uh, yeah. Very uh, uh, thick and and raisiny. Yeah, the um, flavor profile reminds me of Utopias. 
Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if you watered Utopias down like about two to one. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I mean, just the the raw flavor, you know, that um, that's kind of there around this is very similar. And I'd say that this one's probably been cellared for a good ten years. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Um, so, what was your size rating on the uh, on the Ailsmith uh, Numskull, old Numskull? I'll give this one a four, actually. Four. Yeah. Mm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same uh, same exact rating. Um, I think it's really good. I don't know that I would sell her to this quite as long as we did. Yeah. Um, maybe I would choose half that time. Um, five years, um, probably max is probably closer to the right thing for this. Again, there's just so much great barley wine that's available um, on the market, uh, but it was really good to be able to taste this. It'd be interesting to taste the. 2014 or 2013 version that probably got judged at GABF yeah. with some measure of comparison. Maybe L. Smith will drop us a couple of bottles as well as some other things that uh, you know I, I really love. Um, I actually had a bottle of the Decadence oh. from uh, Smith, and I actually have a couple of bottles. And um, I am telling you that is a really really good beer, and I hope uh, hope we get to cover it on the show uh, as well. Another beer we got to have uh, that I've had just a ton of um, is the American uh, Bel- uh, Belgo style um, ale. Actually, they practically almost invented this category, as far as I'm concerned, from Green Flash called La Freak, and it has been out for uh, quite a while. Um, I don't know how long, maybe six years. La Freak has been out, and uh, very cool that they can uh, still, again, take up uh, the bronze medal for this in this category. Again, they, as far as I'm concerned, they practically invented the definition yeah. of what this beer is actually supposed to taste like. I mean, if somebody asked me what is the you know reference beer in this, they're, Lefrique, hands down, yeah. it's Lafrique yeah. uh, to hand up to this. So, um, <clears throat> Dave, what do you think of Lafrique today? It's, you know, you take a Belgian beer and you hop the crap out of it. <laughs> and that's what you get is La Freak, man. And it's, uh, for me, this is a four. Wow. How about that? A four. <clears throat> a body should really not make that sound. And, you know, this is a beer that was a daily or a weekly, you know, beer that I, I just consume the crap out of. I mean, I, it's easy for me to fess up. I've easily had 15 bottles of La Freak. Um, it's just this week. Yeah, well, not this week, but um, you know, there's there's a couple of beers that just really kind of capture your attention um, for quite some time. And this was a beer that I just it was a go-to beer that I really came back to you know time and time again. Um, it's easy for me to say this is a suds rating for me a four. Um, just a really great beer, um, and I I always uh, enjoy opening a bottle of this. Reverend Mark, what do you think of La Freak? Yeah, I, I, I really like it. Let me say this, though, back up a step or two. Uh, as one who's sort of learned a long time ago to brew true to style before a lot of these hybrid styles came about, this is definitely one of those beers that just kind of collapses the boundaries. And uh, yeah. you know, so you have a, a, a really a Belgian, you know, hi, a, a Belgian yeah, yeah. type triple yeah. that has been hopped up with Amarillo, and it's got a, a really strong citrus zing to it, and it's a little bit more on the dry side because of, I guess, the the, the yeast that's used. I mean, it's good. It, you can t- still get that Belgian spicy uh, aspect to to the yeast they used, uh, but yeah, it's it's defining beer in ways that are beyond 
just sort of your normal archetypal yeah. beer, beer styles. So maybe I'm saying this as one who kind of uh, came to brewing in th- and I thought more in neat categories and then this is kind of like collapsing some of those categories together into one beer style, uh, which to me is the the proof is in the in the sipping and I mm. think it's a it's a really really fine beer to drink. This is a very citrus forward taste um, and the only thing that is not there that might be there had they not hybridized this particular style is that uh, you know that some of the more rounded mm-hmm. um, there's no you know multi sweet flavors that you would get that you're looking for Belgian so those yeah. who are more kind of Belgian purists and they get, get a bottle of this it's going to be a completely different experience yep. but you know I uh, for what it is and what it claims to be um, I'd say also yeah it, it definitely uh, epitomizes this new uh, hybrid type style and I would give it on the merits of that alone before about that <clears throat> a body should really not make that sound <clears throat> so uh the last beer uh that was here on the table you got to taste as we were going along is that bottle empty because it looks like it's emptying maybe that's a telltale sign is it's uh it's very close a belgian style triple uh it is the gold medal winner from victory brewing company called golden monkey uh, this beer has been on the market for uh, a little while uh, as well. Uh, I would say maybe three or four years, and I'm aware of anyway. Um, you know, it, it falls right in uh, part of our conversation we had earlier is how well can you make a very simple beer? And, yeah. you know, one of my favorite triples is made by Reverend Mark, um, and it has been for a long time. Yep. Um, it's just one of these things that I think you can screw up, you know, incredibly quick. And I have to say, I remember having this a couple years ago, and it just really came off to me as bitter and astringent. And I don't know if it was the batch or whatever at the time, but I'm glad that uh, I actually picked up another bottle for us to, you know, kind of enjoy, you know, today. Yeah. This is actually a fresh bottle. I actually just picked this up uh, yesterday. Oh, cool. And uh, so this has not been cellared at all. And uh, Dave, what do you think about this? I, this I think of the beers we've had today. This is the best one. Um, it's very clean. Yeah, we're all kind of nodding our head. Very yeah, malty. Very much um, so. Um, very easy for us to say. Hmm. Yeah, I have some more of that. That's a good reason why the glass is empty or the bottle's empty. If you want to taste what a good triple tastes like, you should pick this beer up. And the one you had before that wasn't that good probably was a batch issue or maybe just a bad bottle i don't know but this is delicious um, yeah i would definitely give this beer a four wow how about that <clears throat> you know um this is uh you know i would say this style of triple uh is probably a bit more uh, bitter than maybe um my particular uh, um i tend to you know, we actually just kind of talked about, you know, I tend to think of Belgian beers. They have kind of these rounding, you know, kind of soft, you know, uh, flavor flavor profiles with just this hint of something sweet. Usually banana is the, you know, dead giveaway of the, you know, Belgian yeast variety um, itself. But this is a bit more crisp um, yeah. than that. And, uh, but I still really love it. And, uh, yeah, there's a good reason why the bottle's empty here at the table. And it takes a lot. You know, when there's an empty bottle on our table, somebody's done something right. And um, this is uh, this 
maybe uh, I don't know that I would put it in the hollows of all the triples that I've had at the top, but it's a really solid triple. I would give it a four uh, all day long. <clears throat> Reverend Mark, what did you think about? Well, the, yeah, uh, being a, a a strong Belgian ale aficionado myself and brewer, yeah. um, I definitely think it hits the mark. I find this one to be sort of teetering a little bit between triple and strong golden myself. Yeah, uh, excellent. Man, I tell you, that is, yeah, that is totally cool. it right there. I almost said this is this is crossing over into golden ale because it has some measure of the you know bittering agent that you would find in a golden ale so yeah, yeah totally yeah. i'm glad you said it first so. so but that means that i i like it a lot and uh i think that part of the 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 bittering aspect may also come from the spicing that was in this particular uh recipe which i i appreciate because it's not sweet at all it's not some people actually like sweet belgian beers i don't i like the, I like the yeast to well attenuate and give kind of that spice mineral profile that often Belgian yeast do. And um, But this one still has that deep golden color, um, which suggests, a, again, that it's heading in the direction of being a strong golden. Uh, but it's sort of on the borderline, which is fine. So uh, also you'll find this with Belgian beers that they're not as uh, discreet you know, in terms of how you categorize, uh, there's a there's there's a little wiggle room. I I found this one to be it, it is fresh, uh, and it's uh, still uh, bitterness aside. I would still say it's it's slightly malt forward as well. Yeah. Uh, so nice kind of it's not it's not it doesn't have a, a an alcohol a hot alcohol flavor to it, but it definitely is a very big beer. Mm. So. But you're saturating. Uh, so I'm going to give the of the ones that we have just rated uh, in terms of the medal winners. Uh, I'll give this one the top prize of five. Wow, how about that nice, <clears throat> very nice, and a five coming from him. That's big. Yeah, on a That's triple like a seven for that is, me. That is like a yeah, you know that is a that is pretty high praise from from Reverend Mark. Well, um, we've enjoyed uh, some good conversation around the medal winners. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come and uh, chat a little bit about the Pro-Am competition, which is a great part of GABF, and wrap up our discussion for uh, GABF 2014. Stand by. We'll be right back right after these messages. Welcome back to Polka Humming with Dave. <laughs> Here. So we're talking, uh, this is Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Welcome back. We're talking about the Great American Beer Festival for 2014 and our wrap-up show. So an important part of this competition is actually the Pro-Am competition. Reverend Mark's been in it uh, several times. We actually had a couple of shows with... Uh, uh, Chris Allen, who was one of the competitors for the Pro-Am competition. Yep. We got to chat a little bit about Danielle Simich, uh, her Jaxie Brown that was entered as well as part of the Pro-Am. And I actually got around the table a little bit uh, to taste uh, some Pro-Am peers. In fact, uh, that was actually one of the things that Michael and I did. Uh, where we actually walked around the program table together, oh, cool. and knocked out about twenty beers, the two of us. Yeah, and it was very cool to hang out, you know, with him. 
um, and get his take, you know, as we were going around. Great because beer judge knew I know. how to taste things and, and how to describe them. Well, I had actually been privileged to pair, you know, be paired with him um, for one round of judging at a at a contest, and so it was really cool, you know, for kind of the two of us to, yeah. you know, kind of walk along that table. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Um, and it was just a, uh, you know, I find myself with some very similar conversation, you know, walking around the, the Pro-Am table. Hmm, well, from that brewery, what'd you expect? Or, wow, yeah. uh, this is all flavor and no beer. Um, or this is all beer and I don't know what happened. That little, so this there's a little card that's in the front. Yeah. And all you have to go on is basically the name of the beer and some description. And it just... I guess the one thing that always catches me about the Pro-Am is that sometimes the description does the beer an injustice. Yeah. And yeah. you, I almost want them for them to just talk about the name of the brewery and who made it and nothing else. Yeah. And just let it be. And not almost imposed for somebody to declare the style or for, you know, for them to even try and describe the beer because it seems like 50% of the time they're not even close. Yeah. Um, well, those they'll use all the generics like clean, malty, with a slight hop back, you know, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, that's always one of the more difficult aspects of the pro am is there's some commercialization that they're trying to get through with the brew pubs that they combine you know for you know many of these brewers with the pro-am is they're trying to think of the commercialization you know aspect of this and just not letting the beers sing so um i'm curious first off did you guys get to have any of the three pro-am winners um the gold silver or bronze i did not i tried the i didn't try the uh, the gold winner um, I did try the silver. The Spencer Pale Ale from Cocopelli Beer Company, yeah. made uh, by Daniel Christensen. Um, it was good. I mean, it was a pale ale, mm. you know. And yeah, I, I think right the now. only one that I that I tried that I can recall was the rock beer. Huh. So, which is the uh, the I bronze smoked. winner? Um, I won a Roche uh, from Springfield Brewing Company. Made by Keith Wallace, or Wayless, if I said it wrong. I'm sorry, Keith. And the professional brewer was Ashton Lewis and Bruce Johnston uh, for the bronze winner. So, very interesting, the the three styles of beer that won. Uh, so, the gold, uh, I, I've read off two of these, and I'll read the gold medal winner, was Bonnie Price Charlie's Scottish 80 Shilling, made by Bear Republic Brewing. Uh, the uh, home brewer was Michael Kelly, and the professional brewer that he was teamed up with from Team Bear Republic was Richard Norgrove. The uh, so uh, the thing that always catches me about the pro am is the beers that win and the styles uh, that are showing up. This is such a free for all. Yeah, I mean, literally, it is the kitchen sink competition. It's a, it's a best of show. Oh, totally, is, is the only thing you can call it. Yeah, I would say uh, if you ever see your name on the top three in this competition, as far as I'm concerned, they should just write a ten million dollar check to you because, as far as I'm, you've won, <laughs> you have won the the lottery of lotteries to uh, to win out. First off, it's just the style of the competition is just so. Uh, it is so freeform. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a crapshoot. It is a it is a crapshoot beer best of show, you know, type competition. 
and the and I wouldn't always say the best beer always wins. Um, right. But this year, the thing that really caught my attention is last year it was all about flavor, right. wasn't it? And I think that was the one thing that caught my attention as I was going around to the proams was. Uh, this has chipotle peppers, or this has you know elderflowers in it, or this has you know um, uh, some kind of coffee in it, or something. It was all right, about yeah. somebody had a flavor in every single one of those Proam beers, but yet when you look at the ones that won, they're very simple, very you know, very straightforward, yeah, you know, German yeah. style beers. You got These a, are basic styles. You got a you got a a. a a low, you know, Scotch ale, a yeah. eighty shilling, you know, uh, Scotch ale. You got a pale ale, and you got a Roush beer. Now, if you had told me that those three beers would have meddled in the pro am last year, I would have said you have no chance. Well, considering what a Roush beer is, mm-hmm. the fact that it even meddled, it must have been really good. Yeah. Also, you have to take into account that the the breweries that that support the the pro am endeavor you know with the uh, aha is that they they oftentimes set very you know tight Tight. parameters about what you can enter some don't but but some do and what ingredients you can you can provide so you know you're going to get a lot of really basic beer styles also your breweries are going to are going to think about okay among like our three or four finalists in this contest as we're evaluating these beers which of these three or four you know finalists offer us a style that's different from what we're already serving to the public or that our clientele will embrace exactly got to sell it you know i can say now that he's retired when 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 i was competing in the pro-am through dave miller over at blackstone that he's I heard him say one time, he says, I don't care if everybody decides that some sort of jalapeno pale ale <laughs> is the best beer in the house. He says, I am not serving it to the public because I can tell you most of our public's not going to buy it. And so yeah. and so he ruled it out just from the very beginning. Now, I'm not saying that jalapeno pale ale won't sell somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a few years ago, and it might sell better today. But the point is, is that your breweries set the limits oftentimes in terms of what you realistically can it's a uh, substantial financial uh investment that they are making right you know a from just putting on the contest i mean they're getting entry fees and whatnot but at the same time brewing seven barrels eight barrels even two or three barrels of you know a homebrew recipe that they you know make to match their their current configuration is a pretty substantial um, investment that they're making into the local homebrew community hmm. well <clears throat> I always find uh, this particular competition just you know quite fascinating yeah. and uh, it's just <laughs> It's just unlike any other beer competition, you know, that I've ever, you know, seen happening right in front of me. And uh, it was just, uh, it was really great to walk around, again, taste some really great beer, some really great homebrew. It's in a, you know, it's a, uh, it's a fundamental part of the Brewers Association and how they look at, you know, where their roots, you know, actually uh, were established. And I'm really glad that they continue to keep this such an integral part of the event itself the um, 
So uh, one unfortunate thing that happened uh, during the Pro-Am competition was uh, Chris Allen's uh, Goza or Gozea. Gozea. Um, it was uh, actually uh, not submitted uh, or judged um, at the Pro-Am competition. It was just one of these strange set of events uh, that transpired, um, you know, with Chris's beer. And I know that he was terribly disappointed. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I, it was a really good beer. I got to taste, you know, both his homebrew version and the one that was actually on at Bosco's. And uh, I was really looking forward to definitely that style of beer being in the Pro-Am competition, what I thought was the very first time. Um, so you actually, there was one. Uh, there was one, one that um, was I actually. Yeah, I don't remember the brewery, but it was a Gozea with pink peppercorns. Yeah, very and unusual. It was good. I mean, it was... All about that flavor, man. Yeah, I don't know if it was better than Chris's, Mm. but then again, you never know. When you get four judges in a room or however many people that had judged in this pro-am, you know, that's what it really comes down to is their palate. You know, and Mark, you judged a lot of, you know, brewer competitions, and, and Mike, you have as well, and I've done a little bit. It really comes down to an individual person's palate and their perception of what those style guidelines say. Well, I'm going to be the first one to predict that Dave is going to make a prickly pear. <laughs> prickly pear English bitter. Weiss. Belinder Weiss yeah. next year. Uh, yep. We're going to have to go out to the high desert to Dave, harvest yeah. some prickly Are you the maker of the pink beer? Yeah. Yes, oh, I am. Dude, if, if, if it wins me a medal, I will make a pink purple polka dot beer. Well, I look uh, I look forward to a lot of other uh, entries you know, for that contest next year. You know, I think the one thing that uh, would be really great that either the Brewers Association or maybe a coalition of the brew pubs would put together would be a lesson learned, you know, for that competition. They've seen that competition for, I don't know, 15 years now at least, if not a whole lot longer than that. And that would be the one thing that uh, I really think would be a great thing for the home brewers if they walked into that competition knowing a bit more than they do. Yeah. Instead of saying, I'm going to make the best beer that I can make. Yeah, that, that that's part of the equation, but I don't think that that is maybe the part of the equation that's actually going to help you win that competition. Maybe yeah. some other competitions, but I don't know that that one is. I, because I don't even think that the pro Pro-Am winners correspond with the actual GABF category winners. No, they don't. You know, they don't. No. And um, that's they don't. where the difference is. It's a free-for-all. Is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was sitting there. I was actually sitting with Dave, you know, at the Cold Springs Brewery, um, uh, judging, you know, the beers, you know, through that competition. Uh, I was the backup judge. Um, and um, it was very interesting, you know, what was... So you had you had Dave, who is you know Mr. Beer. I mean, he is like the diehard reference, not you know, standard. Dave. Not this Dave. Um, <laughs> he literally wrote the book on continental pills. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, just he. You know, when people ask how to make a certain beer, you're looking at his books. You know, how to do a lot of things, and um, 
with other people that were you know there at the judging table all really great you know uh, great palates very good judges um you know i enjoyed watching you know as much as tasting you know through that experience as well and i would almost go so far to say i think that if you take a bjcp you know mentality uh it's actually to your detriment yeah um you know in and the cool springs brewery pro m it yeah. is speaking as the unknown fourth beer in the top four which is what i was um i tasted my beer i've had marks since then and i've had danielle's uh brown ale um i had it as her homebrew and i had it as what the csb brewed and uh their beer there they brew Derek is great he is probably i would say one of the top two pro brewers in our area her her homebrew was way better um, so and that what, usually is the case. Yeah, that's, what, yeah. that's often the case. Yeah. 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 What you guys judged at the home at the pro am competition for CSB was probably one of the better Browns I have ever had. It was called Jackson Pre- Brown. No, well, oh. well they called it that. Uh, I think it was called Pretty Round Brown. Huh. Which I think she named after me because I'm a pretty round man. <laughs> but anyways, um, but it was so well balanced. It was so well done. It was great. Well, great discussion that we've had around a lot of topics at uh, GABF. And uh, I'm really glad that we have been able to cover this wrap-up show. Not about just GABF, but you know the other events that were around GABF for that week as well. And then I really look forward to... Uh, the prospect of going back and covering this yeah. event maybe in some new and novel way that we haven't done so far as well i don't know maybe that's the challenge for us uh, next year is to cover an angle of gabf that maybe we haven't so far but all i know is it's a lot of beer and uh, i think we want to keep it very concentric you know around talking about the beer itself for sure yeah. Well, there you have it. Uh, You have uh, completely wasted all of your time between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. So while it's nearly 3 a.m. and it's time to wrap up Polka Classics with Paul, join us next week as we discuss Lederhosen and Chafing, the untold story of the zipper. (laughs) So... I, I guess I'm the only one that thought that was funny. So, uh, Listen, uh, it's really great um, to uh, wrap up our show here for the Suds episodes today. Thanks to all of our listeners here at Sips, Suds, and Smokes. You can catch all of our episodes online on iTunes, SoundCloud, PRX, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement and Spreaker, our native, 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 our native, our native, 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 native. They're so neat. They're so neat. Our native media host. I'm going to take pronunciation one and two next week. Our terrestrial radio stations hosts are always expanding. And if you would like to hear this show on your favorite radio station, listen, send them a note, drop them a six pack of beer and copy us as well. You can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day. Our handle there is at sipsudsmokes. Our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news as well. A lot of our Suds hosts are on Untapped, and you can connect with them directly on Untapped if you'd like to do that as well. Listen, do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a great big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. 
Be sure and send any lovely mail discussing Dave's character to info at subsizingthesmokes.com. Fan mail. <laughs> Fan mail. It's all about the backside. <clears throat> I want to thank my co-host for uh, joining me here today. Reverend Mark, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And thank you, good old boy Dave. Turn off your radio and go drink some beer. <laughs> We're really sorry Juliana couldn't join us uh, for this show, but we really appreciate her uh, coming to GABF with us and many more shows with uh, good old gal Juliana as well. For now, this is good old boy Mike asking you to keep on sipping. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.